Good morning, Fresno. Welcome to Life, Family, Liberty, a weekly radio show and podcast from California Family Council. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy to be with you today on this beautiful uh, day of January, the 14th, Monday the 14th. I had to look at my watch because I forgot. I can't believe the first half of the month is already gone. But I am uh, excited to be here, happy to be with all of you in the studios of Talk Radio 1680 or AM 1680 Talk Radio. I always forget which way exactly they like it to be, but um, happy to be with you. And also, if you are watching live on Facebook, uh, hopefully you can hear me. Hopefully everything's good and happy to be with you on this first official live show of 2018. We actually replayed last week's show if you were listening uh, last Monday, because I was out of state in Nashville for a conference. Uh, But this week we are back in the saddle and we are getting ready for a momentous year in the state of California and for California Family Council. Um, As you might imagine, uh, there's been a lot of changes even in just the last couple uh, couple of weeks. Obviously we have the new year, we have the new Congress sworn in in Washington, D.C., all 435 members of Congress ended their terms at the end of uh, last year, and there was the new Congress. Everybody, as you all know, everybody is uh, sworn in every two years, and you also had a crop of new senators that were sworn in. Uh, and the great irony is this year, as we have talked about on the show before, that unfortunately we are going to end up starting now for the next two years. We are going to have a Senate that is much more aligned with the values that California Family Council supports related to the sanctity of human life, uh, God's design for marriage and the family, and the importance of religious liberty. Uh, The new Senate that we have, even though it is only gone up to, I I believe, I need to double check, I think it's 53 or 54 seats um, for the Republicans, even though that is is the case, uh, and it's only that many, uh, it is actually a much more conservative Senate because in a few cases there were senators who were squishy and who were not really with us on a lot of issues when it came to these uh, things. And it, I should say Republican senators who were squishy and not with us on those issues. People like Dean Heller in uh, Nevada, even though he was a Republican, he was a little squirrely sometimes. He was one of the only people who came out and said that he was going to oppose the efforts to hold open the Supreme Court seat that was vacated by the death of Antonin Scalia. Um, He was the only Republican, I think, that came out and publicly expressed concern over that. Uh, People like Jeff Flake from Arizona, he was replaced by a Democrat, Kristen Kristen Sinema. Um, And there was, I'm trying to think of the other cases that I'm, I'm missing. Um, But anyway, there, there were a handful of those types of cases where Republican senators did lose, but in other cases, Democrats were replaced by very uh, uh, vocally pro-life, pro-religious liberty Republicans. And Republicans also were replaced that way. So in the case of uh, the state of Tennessee, for example, where I just was, Bob Corker was the former state senator, or excuse me, U.S. senator from the state of Tennessee. And Bob Corker was replaced by now state senator, or excuse me, I keep saying that, now U.S. senator from the state of Tennessee, Marsha Blackburn. Now, 
Bob Corker was not necessarily a bad guy, but he was a, how do I put this? He was, I think, a little bit um, less willing to speak out vocally on some of the issues that we care about. The same thing with Jeff Flake in the state of Arizona. Um, The great news is that while Jeff Flake was replaced by someone who was more liberal, um, Bob Corker was replaced by someone who was much, much more conservative. Same thing in the state of Florida. Uh, Bill Nelson, the incumbent Democrat senator from the state of Florida, was replaced by the outgoing governor of that state, Rick Scott. Um, So the Senate is going to be much more conservative moving forward. That's a good thing, Uh, at least if you are someone like me who believes that, you know, life, family, and liberty are important issues and that we need to try to work to advance those issues through California's church, community, capital, and culture. That's kind of the mission of our organization at California Family Council. Um, so on a national level, that's that's very good. Um, the frustrating thing comes in two other areas. Uh, the first area that it comes in is in the U.S. House of Representatives. Um, as an example, in the state of California, we had going into this election, there were 53 congressional seats. Of those 53 congressional seats, the split was 39 Democrats and 14 Republicans. 39 Democrats and 14 Republicans. Um, Now, not every Republican was the most um, uh, full-throated, articulate advocate and supporter of the issues that CFC cares about. But generally speaking, they all tended to vote the right way when it came to bills like defunding Planned Parenthood or when it came to bills like uh, trying to protect the religious liberty rights of pastors and churches and other people like that. Um, on the, on the other hand, most, I think, if not every single one of the Democrats of that, uh, congressional delegation was aggressively pro abortion. They were aggressively pro same sex marriage. They were aggressively against people of faith being able to practice their beliefs in the private square, people like Jack Phillips. Um, and unfortunately those numbers, 39 Democrats and 14 Republicans, uh, got much, much, much worse after the November election. Um, The Republicans lost half of their 14 seats. So the new breakdown is 46 Democrats to 53 Republicans, excuse me, to seven Republicans, a a total of 53. So 46 to seven. Um, The part of the other reason why this is so difficult um, and challenging is that the uh, The Republicans who lost were, as I said, not necessarily um, champions on some of our issues. They they weren't bad, but, you know, they were maybe a little bit timid, a little bit quiet, given some of the districts they were in. But the Democrats who ran in these districts are in many cases aggressively, as I said, aggressively pro-choice, aggressively um, opposed to the values that California Family Council cares about. So I think this is going to set us up for a very interesting two years. We're going to see um, this interesting split between a more conservative, much more conservative legislature uh, in the Senate and a much more liberal legislature in the House of Representatives. And I think that's going to be a recipe for 
a couple of things. Number one, because impeachment has to start in the House of Representatives. I think it's probably going to be a recipe for impeachment. Um, I would honestly, I'm just, I'm not saying this is what I want to have happen. I'm just telling you what I think is probably going to happen. I would personally be shocked if we do not see the Democrats seriously uh, look at moving articles of impeachment against President Trump and or other members of his administration. Um, this is this is something that I, I think is kind of just a foregone conclusion uh, based on the numbers they now have and based on the fact that already there has been at least one legislator that has introduced this legislation. Um, I think that it's it's going to be something that we're probably going to see. Um, the that does mean, however, that the the impeachment articles will probably not get anywhere if they even are passed. They will not lead to anything in the Senate since the Republicans control the Senate. Uh, it'll also mean, unfortunately, that even though now the senators would probably be able to muster enough votes to pass a bill to defund Planned Parenthood, they would be able to pass a bill that would. Uh, repeal Obamacare, they'd be able to pass a bill that would protect religious liberty for pastors, for churches, for faith-based organizations. That bill will never get anywhere now in the House of Representatives. Um, We're going to have divided government for at least the next two years, and that is going to mean a a very um, difficult gridlock. Um, The one bit of good news on the national level, though, is that this will mean that we will have a... um, we will have the ability for judges to still be approved. Um, if you have, if you're a person who cares about pro-life issues, if you're a person who cares about the Constitution, if you're a person who cares about the courts, you would much rather, like you know, seven days out of the week, you would much rather have the House of uh, uh, Government that you lose be the House of Representatives. Um, you would much rather keep the Senate because even though Um, Nancy Pelosi and um, all of the other people from California, the the crazy, crazy, hard left pro-choice Democrats from California and from around the country will be able to introduce bad legislation. They'll even be able to try to impeach President Trump. The good news is that the Senate, the pro-life senators in the Senate will be able to confirm pro-life Supreme Court justices, pro-life district court justices, pro-life appeals court justices. Um, and that is a significant thing. Um, obviously, at this point, there is not a vacancy on the U.S. Supreme Court, but there were two in President Trump's first two years in office. Now, I, you know, I, I hope that Ruth Bader Ginsburg is able to recover well from her uh, surgery that she had. Many of you have been following this situation, and she had a pulmonary lobectomy which essentially means that you go in and you remove nodules on someone's lung. In this case, they were found out to be cancerous, but the doctors have said publicly that she is fine and that there is no further treatment that is planned. However, this is, I believe, now the third time that Ruth Bader Ginsburg has received a cancer diagnosis and has beat it. Um, I, I will say, you know what? Ruth Bader Ginsburg, from everything that I've heard, even though I disagree with her vehemently on a number of policy positions, uh, she really does seem to be a pretty amazing lady. Um, I I fully disagree, as I said, with her positions on the pro-life issue. I fully disagree with her positions on same-sex marriage. But she really has... Um, I, I would say this. If she was on our side, so to speak, if she was 
um, an advocate for the positions that I believed in, that I agreed with, um, you would have to tip your hat at her for her desire to stick out her constitutional duties and to try to preserve the balance on the court as she saw fit. Not saying that, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that I like her positions, um, but I do wish uh, that I know the the fall that she had where she broke several ribs was very painful. And I also know that the surgery she had from everything I've heard is very, very painful. So we want to wish her a healthy recovery. And to his credit, President Trump actually issued a great tweet statement saying that he wishes her a full and speedy recovery. So bravo, President Trump, for that. And bravo, the Senate, for being able to confirm other justices. So when we come back, we will be joined by a special co-host, and we will talk about the state of California under Gavin Newsom on today's episode of Life, Family, Liberty. Now, back to Life, Family, Liberty on Talk Radio 1680 KGED. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. Thank you, Skip Essek, for that uh, smooth introduction. John, it always amazes me. I mean, Skip is such a pro. You can tell he he punctuates his sentences. That's just like perfection. Yeah. Just boom, boom, boom. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great. amazing. It really is great. Hope he's having fun out in Zihuatanejo with uh, Andy and Red. So, uh, and you, you know, I hate, our our running joke. I hate yeah. to say it, but I'm actually not sure I get that reference. It's it's. You never now I'm forgetting the name of the movie. Oh gosh, uh, Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank oh, Redemption. Yeah. that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I have never seen that movie. Yeah, well, we were we this were discussing is, this. this. Is the, the the vast hole in your movie watching experience. Uh, By the way, I'm John Girardi. Oh yeah, that's right. Hey, I wasn't John here Girardi. in the last segment. Hey, uh, John is paying me back uh, for the many many times that I have. Yes, uh, I was here. Showed up late to his radio. show. I will note I was here on time. It's just that I got lots of important phone calls like just the instant before the first segment started, so I had to step out. John John and I have done this radio show together for almost... A year and a half? Yeah, a year and a half. uh, Approaching two years. This Mm -hmm. this spring, it'll be, I think, two years, and I... I, I cannot tell a lie. There have been multiple times where he has showed up before me, like multiple times. Well, as in today, also. That's well, I believe my car. My car. Fifteen seconds. Yeah, that's but, that's true. But technically, yes, you are correct. But I would say ninety percent of the time, I'm yeah, here before you are. I hate to say it, but that's probably true. <laughs> uh, John, so real quick, we we talked in the last segment a little bit about everything that's happening on the national level. I gave a rundown for people who have had their heads under a rock for the last two months. What the results of the election mean at the Senate level and the um, House level. But I wanted to make sure, I know I know sometimes something that we do not do regularly enough on this radio show is promote local events to the local audience who is listening. And if you're watching on Facebook Live, uh, some of these events are regional, so they count for you as well. But uh, John, you are organizing a trip uh, I, I think the trip that you're particularly organizing is not open to the public, but the event is open to the well, public. Well, it's open to – so uh, we're going to the Walk for Life West Coast on Saturday, January 26th. And if you have a student in your life uh-huh. listening, or if you are a student listening to this, if you are a student at any college, university, high school uh, in the San Joaquin Valley and you want to go – Get in touch with us at Right to Life Essential California, 229-2229. So we're opening it up to students, 
1st, and we're going to have students from a bunch of different schools. We're going to have the Fresno State Students for Life, some uh, students from San Joaquin Memorial, I think, are going. There are a bunch of homeschooling kids who are coming. Um, and if you're a student and you want to go, or if you have a kid who's a student and you want to go, or if you're a parent who wants to supervise a kid who wants to go, uh, give us a call, 229-2229, and uh, we will have a spot for you. 559 229 2229. Yes, indeed. Um, John, I'm excited about that event. I, I think I'm going to try to go to that. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to convince my wife to bring our, our uh, 16-month-old little guy along. Is Holly coming along with uh, any of your uh, kiddos? No, I, know I don't think it's so. probably I think a little trickier three with hours, three of them. Yeah, and, and on a bus is uh, a bus is not great. And Baby Jack is also the worst car baby in the history of cars oh, really? or babies. Yes. Oh, dear. Yes, yes. I had actually Absolutely hear- terrible. I had not heard that. So. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's really bad. Um, fortunately, we had Maddie first at when we moved from Massachusetts to California and had to drive cross-country twice. And Maddie is the greatest car baby in the history of cars or babies. Okay. Um, and managed to sleep through two cross-country drives. Um, wow. Yeah, like slept through 90% of those drives. Uh, but Jack is terrible. Jack will scream. <laughs> I live like a mile away from my parents. It's like a two, one-minute, two-minute drive. And he will literally yell and scream from the minute he is buckled into his car seat until the minute he is taken out. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, he's gotten a little better, but yeah, he's still really bad. That is, uh, that is Which kind is of weird, shocking. I did not usually, realize. He's usually such a, you know, he's a pretty happy baby. He's, he's a good, pretty good sleeper. He's, you know, generally, I, generally a good kid, but I, gosh, I, he's terrible in the car. I tell you, you'd never know it from all those happy Instagram photos you're wearing. I know, those, I know. So. He's, he's a happy, he's a happy dude. Just hates being in the car seat. Well, folks, I know this is why you turn into Talk Radio 1680 uh, and why you turn into Life Family Liberty is to hear updates on the travel habits of the Girardi children. But in all seriousness, um, I'm excited about that event. Um, I'm going to try to be back there in San Francisco, uh, but I'm also going to plan to be this coming week. um, I'm going to plan to be in a couple of other meetings. Uh, I've got a a quick trip back to Washington, D.C., meeting with people in the nation's capital for Evangelicals for Life and for the uh, March for Life, the big granddaddy of them all, which is the uh, big event. John, you went to that. We went to that. When was it? Was it last year or was it two years ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. Um, Two years ago was very interesting because we were there uh, about a week after the inauguration, which was probably a good yes. thing because the Women's March was the day right after, and yeah. it ended up being um, – that would have been something else if you had – Although I was at the West Coast Walk for Life um, – or no, I, I think um, some of my employees at Right to Life were at the West Coast Walk for Life like the day that – it was the same day as the Women's March in San Francisco. Uh. So basically they had the Women's March, and then they had the West Coast Walk for Life. And I don't think the two overlapped at any point. But, um, yeah, apparently that was uh, a bit of a scene. And uh, there were a lot of ladies wearing pink hats, which I, I remember <laughs> my, my, employee, my employee at Right to Life uh, who, who went, he, he didn't. He didn't know what the pink hats were supposed oh, the, to mean. Oh dear. But they, they Not were, a word we should say on the radio. They were referring to a certain anatomical <laughs> feminine realities. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> which oh, he, he had no idea. I think he oh. thought they were bunny rabbit ears. Oh, no. <laughs> well. Which was really hilarious. Wow. Well, um, you see, folks, this is what our there you our go. society has devolved to. So there you go. I, I it is interesting, John, on this note, and, and we're... Surprise, surprise, folks. If you're watching on Facebook Live, we're veering off topic a little bit from uh, what does California's new governor mean for 
the state of the pro-life movement and life family liberty. We'll, we'll get to that, I promise. Stick around with us through the break. We'll keep talking about it. Stay tuned. If you're watching this on Facebook, as I said, tune in for the next video. Uh, but John, it, it is fascinating to me to see um, a lot of times I feel like there is this um, discussion of, oh, my gosh, the Republicans, the conservatives, you know, they're they're so divided. You have uh, the, the people who are pro-Trump. You have the people who are never Trump. You have the people who are pro-life. You have the people who are saying the the only way Republicans are going to win in California or by completely abandoning social conservatives. That's yeah. right. There's all there's all these different things that people are saying. Um, I think that sometimes we forget that everybody is kind of divided yeah. <laughs> in a nation of 320 million people. When Democrats you have, are really divided. When you have Facebook, when you have Twitter, when you have everything else, and everybody can kind of bifurcate and trifurcate and, you know, just completely shatter and segment into individual camps. John, I have now seen multiple reports of r women's marches in different states and mm -hmm. in different cities in California that have been canceled. Why have oh, they because, been canceled? Because the organizers can't agree on stuff, and they don't. They yes. don't like. They don't like stuff. Yes, some of them, some of the uh, marches have been canceled because um, there is concern over the anti-Semitic statements of some of the leaders, <laughs> which uh, which are pretty bad, honestly. Very <laughs> aggressively bad. Um, there have been other marches that have been canceled. I was. I. I need to check. It might have even been the one here in in Fresno. But there have been other marches that have actually been canceled, John, because in their words. There were too many white people coming to the march. Yeah. We well, decided to postpone the march until we could get more diversity. <laughs> we didn't want it to be a bunch of old white people marching against President Trump, so we're going to wait until we can do better. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Thank, thank God for that. So all that to say, folks, I'm glad when I'm glad that we have the First Amendment right to peaceably assemble. Um, it's just kind of funny how sometimes that assembly is uh, less than effective because we can't even agree on how to assemble. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the pro-life events happening this month and the new governor of California, Gavin Newsom, on today's episode of Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. I am your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy to be with you today in the studios of 1680, Talk Radio 1680. There you go. And happy to be joined in studio by John Girardi. Good to be here. So, John, we've been talking in the last segment, we just did a little bit of a, a hodgepodge, a menagerie, because it's the first show of the year, talking a little oh. bit about the big events happening this year or this month in um, California. You have the big West Coast Walk for Life in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Some people might wonder, why do you do it there instead of in Sacramento? Well, Sacramento, it, it's number one, I think it's not quite as good of a place to march. And yeah. San Francisco is a little bit more, I think, symbolic as a bastion of pro-choice. Um, yeah. The West, uh, the Walk for Life West Coast is really cool. It is yes. really, really cool. And I feel like the n way they estimate the numbers between it and the National March for Life in D.C., Either the National March for Life is really overinflating its numbers, or the Walk for Life West Coast is really underinflating its numbers because they always they always say like, oh, there's two hundred thousand people in D.C., and they say there's fifty thousand people in San Francisco. I don't know. It doesn't feel that way. Like it feels like they're they're almost like not. 
the Walk for Life West Coast is not quite as big, but it's it's big. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of people, and it's really inspiring, and it's really cool. And the one time I, my wife and I went, we had uh, an absolute blast. So, um, yeah, all all credit and uh, all credit and praise to the Walk for Life West Coast Walk for Life. I think it's really cool. So they it is January twenty sixth, Saturday, January twenty sixth, twenty nineteenth. In, in 2019, and it is the 15th annual yeah. Walk for Life West Very Coast, cool. which is kind of hard to believe. Uh, but I mean, is, it's fairly easy to believe. Well, like they started about 15 years ago. I know. So I I just continuous. I guess I have a I have a hard time is believing. Your threshold it because, for belief a lot lower than mine. Well, okay. and and the, re, the here's why. Okay. Because I remember when it first started. Oh, it wasn't that good. <laughs> I did I, I did not go to the first one. I went to the second one. Uh, but I look back in retrospect, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's been going on for that long? I feel old. Oh, okay. Uh, this is a you feeling old thing? Yes. Okay. This is now a 36-year-old Jonathan looking back into the mists of time and realizing. Ah, those yeah, young this, whippersnappers. Yeah. I remember back when. Oh, vey. Yeah. And I remember going, actually, this was one of the uh, first events that I went to with uh, my uh, my girlfriend, Julia, at the time, way back in, I think, 2006. Whatever happened to her, huh? Yeah, I don't know. She's she's uh, she's home listening, uh, unless she's turned it off. She's home listening on the <laughs> Can't imagine why she Amazon uh, Echo device in our kitchen, which I programmed to automatically turn to this radio station, so she has to listen to me on <laughs> Monday mornings. She has no excuse but to listen to this fine radio station so you at 9.05 a.m. You know she's on she's taking Monday active steps to not listen to you if, uh, if she hasn't heard the show? I would say that it's more passive steps. I mean, she just, I just don't have time. But hi, Hudson, if you're listening, buddy, if you're still listening, my fi- my 16-month-old son, I should, I was going to say uh, 15, but he's 16 months old today, John. Holy smokes. 16 months. So. Doesn't look a day over 14 months. I, I know, I know. So the the Walk for Life West Coast, I want to give you a rundown of a couple of the speakers here. So uh, Abby Johnson, uh, the great Abby Johnson, there former Planned Parenthood Employee of the Year, is going to be speaking, and why would you? Why would I make a big deal about that? Well, because she is now pro-life. She had an incredible, uh, incredible conversion story of leaving the abortion industry, and she has. Uh, let's see here. Oh, that's so nice. My wife just texted me, said hi, Dada. Dada. Oh, okay. So there Hudson is talking. Um, Hudson. 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 Uh, that is that is the name of my son. That's why I'm. I'm gonna he appreciates the sound of his name. Um, the movie that Abby Johnson was in, the unplanned movie, is going to be coming out in March of this year. So it's a good chance to to hear her before the movie I, comes I out. I actually got to meet three of the actresses uh, from that film. Wow! I met the gal who plays Abby. I met a gal who's playing a sassy Planned Parenthood nurse <laughs> who provides some of the comic relief and is incredulous at Abby throughout. Yes. I think. Yes. And one other gal who's acting in the movie, and I don't know what role she has. But anyway, I got to meet three of them at the Vita Institute last year. Oh, nice. Well, they uh, Abby will be speaking there. Um, Patricia Sandoval also used to work at Planned Parenthood, and she is going to be talking uh, there, speaking as well. Walter Hoy will be speaking. Um, who has Always been, good to hear from Walter. Yeah, great uh, leader for the Issues for Life Foundation, African-American pro-life leader in the Bay Area. And, John, I don't know if you know... I actually have not heard of this individual. Father Sheenan Bouquet um, travels around the world. Never heard of him. Spreading the gospel of life. Is, oh, he's the president of Human Life International. Oh, he probably took over from uh, Monsignor Barrero after oh. he passed away. Yeah, so cool. there you go. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So anyway, that'll be uh, that'll be awesome. He joined Human Life International in 2001. So anyway, uh, very, very cool. It's going to be a great event. I strongly encourage you to go. Um, I do also encourage you, though, this coming uh, week, 
to participate online in some of the pro-life events for the uh, March for Life in D.C. There is a conference that they will be live streaming uh, with a few speakers. Uh, Family Research Council always does an event called Pro-Life Con, where they have different legislators and speakers and different people come in and speak, and that is in the uh, that is in the morning, usually before the March for Life. It's It can be a little bit early for all of us out here on the West Coast. I think it technically starts at maybe 9 a.m. Eastern. So oh, so 6 a.m. It's yeah. a little early. But if, if you can't watch it live, they do archive it, so you can watch it a little bit later in the day uh, on demand. Um, I will be out there at the March. I will have a camera. I will do some Facebook Live. I'll do some updates and reports from throughout the day. Um, I'm not sure, John, who all the live speakers are from the stage. Last year, President Trump spoke. He addressed the group via video message from the Rose mm-hmm. Garden. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's doing that again this year. Yeah. But Well, usually every year when there's a pro-life president in office, they, they announce some pro-life policy thing. Yes. Um, my guess is it will be something having to do with Title X funding, uh, maybe the finalization of the rules that they introduced last year. Um, I, I also think that the um, we have a friend, a secret friend, who works in the uh, the Office of Civil Rights for the Department of Health and Human Services, um, and w- w- I can't we can't give away her name or uh, well, you know, you, I gave you, away you've her gender, narrowed it so down to about fifty percent of the population. That's right. But um, anyway, the, uh, this individual has told us that there could be also some additional things coming out uh, from the. Department of Health and Human Services. That would be good. There's some things that need to change at the Department of Health and Human Services. There's a, a lot of stuff that the NIH, NIH is doing that we don't like, like uh, funding for embryonic stem cell research and funding for uh, fetal tissue research that's still getting somewhere in the ballpark of a couple hundred million dollars a year. So hopefully they can do a major clamp down on that stuff. Um, Some of the other people who will be speaking at the March for Life this year also include Abby Johnson. Um, One of the big changes this year is Ben Shapiro. Um, There's a a Christian band. The Sidewalk Prophets are going to be speaking ahead of time. Or uh, not speaking, but playing at the rally. Sounds good. Um, I hear they can wail. I have actually no idea. (laughs) Uh, I'm not a big Christian rock person. Ben Shapiro, though, is, I think, John, actually doing his podcast live from the stage. Um, yep. which, which would be interesting. Um, there is uh, Alveda King, Carl Anderson. John, we should actually talk about this if we have a chance. Yeah. Talk about the Knights of Columbus. Only um, Knights of Columbus, that hurt. He'll yeah. be speaking. Uh, the Democrat representative from Illinois, Dan Lipinski, will be speaking. Good for him. Um, nice. Of course, Chris Smith, who is a uh, legislator who you and I know people who are very deeply involved my, with his my office. My sister-in-law's old boss. So... It's going to be a great event. I'm excited to be going to that, and I encourage all of you. You'll be able to watch, I think, the entire thing live streamed as well. That starts at a little bit more reasonable of a time. I think it's I think it's noon or 1 p.m., so you'll have plenty of time to watch that. We'll be back, and we will talk a little bit more about California and what it means for our future on Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy to be with you today, both in the studio of 1680 Talk Radio, or Talk Radio 1680, and on Facebook Live. Thanks for being with us. There you go. 
Uh, Raphael, I, I guess I should ask this, but do we have any comments uh, right now on Facebook Live that you can see? I know they just added that little feature where you can actually look at the comments live as they're coming in. But well, it would be nice if Raphael had a nothing, no, nothing right nothing now, right now. Yeah, no comments right now. I, and I figure we just restarted the stream. The difference, John, um, the way that we do our show as compared to how some other people do their their uh, Facebook Live shows, mm -hmm. we do ours. Um, broken up into four different videos so yeah. instead of it being a a single long video we we split it up so yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure what works better i'm not sure either it's just my kind of gut feeling that uh oh, you know let's give it a try from so, my wife's perspective my wife prefers it if it's just one single thing. you don't have to keep clicking on it and keep watching it so but still anyway so there you go welcome good morning facebook how are you don't you know me i'm your native son That's hello is it me you're looking for? Yes. All right. Anyway, uh, we we're going to talk about the Knights of Columbus, I believe. Yes. So uh, I, I wanted to talk about this, John, because I do think it's actually significant. Um, I, I believe that Gavin Newsom still technically claims to be Catholic, if I'm remembering correctly. I think vaguely, maybe. I think at some point a priest poured water on his head. Yes. And so he is Catholic. He, uh, he went to Santa Clara University. Okay. Um, he, uh, I'm looking here to see if there's any sort of. Yeah, I don't know how, he's not like an, he, he's yeah. not like crazy about it or anything. So So let me read you from his personal life. It says, Newsom was baptized and raised in his father's Roman Catholic faith. He describes himself as, quote, an Irish Catholic rebel in some respects, but one who still has tremendous admiration for the church and a very strong faith, unquote. Um. um yeah, okay. So the, the reason— other, other than, like, actually believing any of its teachings that are in any way controversial or would be diff would require him to change anything or, you know, or, you know, not have affairs with other people's wives or right. you know, other things like that. Well, yeah. Not, 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 to, not to point the figure of judgment or anything. No. Just pointing out facts, folks. Yeah. Facts is facts. So— and the reason we bring this up and the reason I tie it in with the Knights of Columbus and everything with Carl Anderson, the, the head knight of the Knights of Columbus speaking at the March for Life and everything is that, John, it may surprise you to learn that the, the Catholic Church is in the news for their stances on um, the pro-life issue. You mean the stances we have publicly uh, maintained for 2,000 years that we have not altered and haven't exactly been secretive about? Those yes. stances? Yes. Those, those okay. stances. Good to know. Uh-huh. Um, basically, what happened is um, the, there was a, an attack over the last several years. Um, I, I, I shouldn't even say over the last several years. It's It's been it's an, really a, the last an, few months. And an increasingly vocal attack against um, people of faith and Catholic people in particular, in specific, uh, because of their faith. Um, we saw this specifically with... Uh, Diane Feinstein in 2017 attacking uh, Amy Coney Barrett during her confirmation hearings to the Seventh Circuit when she said, you know, when you re read your writings, it's clear that the dogma lives loudly within you. I mean, yeah. one of the most uh, honestly, John, I know there's a lot of phrases that it was we a were real, like, it was real self self own. It was, yeah. it was, she was really, really wound up backfiring on her. I, I think that that phrase is honestly going to go down in American constitutional history. I, know, I mean, yeah. In, yeah. in my opinion, it is almost as ominous as any silly thing that Bill Clinton or George H.W. Bush ever said in the 90s. Yeah, you know? it, it's real just a textbook example of the whole idea that in the Constitution there is supposed to be no religious test for offices. And what many on the pro-choice left are doing are looking at 
people who happen to be Catholic and happen to therefore believe what the Catholic Church teaches, or frankly, if you're Southern Baptist or many, many other Christian denominations, on the questions of marriage and life, and saying that that ipso facto makes you ineligible for some kind of office. Um, and recently there's been an, another federal judge who joined uh, a federal judicial uh, nominee by President Trump. Brian Boucher. Brian Boucher, who's... Um, from Nebraska. From Nebraska, who's being nominated. Which circuit is he being nominated uh, for? Let me look here so He's see. being nominated for one of the circuit court seats. Yes. And he... Uh, is a member of the Knights of Columbus. Like a lot of Catholic males, when he turned 18, he joined the Knights of Columbus. John, I believe you're an, a member of the Knights of Columbus. When correct? I was 18, I joined the Knights of Columbus. <laughs> Actually, I might have been 19. It might, it, it might have been right after my 19th birthday. It was when I got to Notre Dame, I joined the Knights of Columbus at Notre Dame. So I'm, I am a Knight of Columbus. Right. Uh, I'm a third degree Knight of Columbus. I haven't attended a meeting in a long time, though, so I'm, I'm kind of lapsed. Anyway. And, and, and as our, our mutual friend Casey Maddox says, who is a Protestant through and through, he, he joked that, you know, if if, uh, if I was ever going to become Catholic, Knights of Columbus makes a compelling case because I'd like to be a Knight. Yeah, and so let, let me describe for those who don't know what the Knights of Columbus tend to do. The Knights of Columbus, basically every parish or most parishes have a Knights of Columbus chapter. And the Knights of Columbus are good at a couple of things. One, selling insurance. Two, having fundraiser sales of grilled meat. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Uh, uh, three, volunteering at their parishes and helping people and using the money they raise from the grilling of meats to help fundraise to different charities and different causes. That's basically what the Knights of Columbus do. The Knights of Columbus at Notre Dame sell steak sandwiches that they grill before every Notre Dame home game. And they make gazillions of dollars doing that, and they donate it all to different charities, um, which is really cool. And there are knights all over this great country, and in Mexico, and in Canada, and in Poland, who do, and in the Philippines, who do very similar things. Uh, basically, they are a fraternal organization. Basically, they were. It's sort of modeled off the Freemasons, just to be like a, but instead of being weird and. Uh, have bizarre ideology and stuff. They're just like Catholics who, uh, one of the benefits, if you will, of being a Freemason is that they banded together. They would use their combined funds for membership to help provide insurance services for their members. So that's what the Knights of Columbus do. They, uh, men join, they give membership dues, and then, uh, they have John, really good are, are you saying, life insurance plans. Are you saying that a private religious group of individuals Yes. decided that rather than waiting for the government to try to institute reform that was mandated from Washington or from Sacramento, mm -hmm. um, they formed a separate fraternal non-governmental organization yes, they aimed to, aiming to take care of people uh, in the manners in which has been happening for hundreds if not thousands of years? Yes, indeed. Well, only a few hundred years for the Knights of Columbus. But still, right. yes. Yes, that is that is what the Knights of Columbus... That is what the Knights of Columbus are. And because they are a Catholic organization with the approval of the church and under the authority of the church and who are whose existence is designed to be of service to the church, uh, the Knights of Columbus believe what the church teaches. So, yeah, they are pro-life. And yes, they do support traditional marriage. And yes, they were backers of Proposition 8. And yes, they are huge backers of the March for Life and all kinds of other pro-life initiatives. They, they have a wonderful program, uh, a big matching grant where if you 
can get local Knights of Columbus to raise half the money for an ultrasound machine for a pregnancy resource clinic, the National Knights of Columbus will pay for the other half. So they've wound up paying for uh, tons of ultrasound machines at uh, pro-life pregnancy centers throughout this great country. I might be getting in touch with them for an ultrasound machine for myself. Well, well, well. We'll see. Uh, So the Knights of Columbus do lots of good things. And being a member of the Knights of Columbus should not be viewed as, oh, you're a member of the Knights of Columbus? Are they That's like right. some kind of military some organization? shadowy you organization. You can't be a judge if you're, if, if you are a member of this group that's rabidly pro-life and rabidly anti-marriage. Well, yes. if, if you're saying that, then you're also just saying that Catholics, Catholics in general should not be able to be judges. And yeah. if, if that's what you want. Okay, then and we have dueling visions of what should be. But there is – we do have a constitution in this country, and it does say you shouldn't impose religious tests on public offices. So maybe don't do that. And just as an example, very quickly, um, some of the people who spoke about this um, included, uh, for example, Maisie Hirono, who said – The brilliant uh, senator from Hawaii. From Hawaii, said uh, his political views he has expressed over the years presumably represent strongly held beliefs. They don't suddenly go away because you become a judge, he said. And uh, also, uh, it's a good thing there aren't any Sheldon Whitehouse. What he said here, it's a good thing there aren't any uh, judges that were appointed by Democrat presidents who had who did none of them. None of them had any personal strongly held beliefs that would at all influence their uh, rulings as judges. Yes, and John, I can't believe how quickly this show has gone by because I I certainly have more to discuss, and we may have to discuss it on next week's show. But um, the thing that was the, the bit of good news, John, that I will say that I hope, I hope. It's a long shot, I realize, but I hope and pray that somehow Gavin Newsom will take a page from Representative Tulsi Gabbard's book from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had it's a chance to read Hawaii, this article. It's some real Hawaii on Hawaii uh, That's violence. Right. It's, That's it's pretty exciting. It, uh, Tulsi Gabbard is a state, um, or excuse me, she's, she's a, a U.S. representative, a congresswoman. Yeah, she's a member of the House of Representatives. And she uh, authored this fantastic piece in The Hill earlier this week. Uh, titled, Elected Leaders Who Weaponize Religion Are Playing a Dangerous Game. And I will not read the entire thing because we are down to our last 50 seconds. Uh, But the gist of it, she essentially goes and talks about the fact that any of these attacks on people of faith are wrong. And she says, we must stand together, call out and reject religious bigotry no matter where it comes from, and fight to protect the freedoms and principles that bind us together as Americans. There you go. Um, And kudos, kudos, Congresswoman Gabbard. I'm, and she's running for president. She is. And I actually think, John, that there is a narrow slice that she could possibly win of pro-religious liberty Democrats, people who who may disagree with you and me on issues of life, family, and liberty, but they at least believe that the First Amendment protects those rights. There you go. We'll see. Folks, we will be back next week. Tune into our website. Follow me later this week for lots more content on life, family, liberty. God bless. We'll talk to you soon.